I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. Welcome to Deep Cuts, the podcast where we pick a topic and walk you through the ins, the outs, and the nitty gritty so you can appear like an interesting and idiosyncratic person at your next forced social function. Today's topic is... The YouTube pranksters who assassinated Kim Jong-un's brother? Who are City Aisia and Don Thi Hrong? Well, they're two young women who were approached by a man purporting to be a YouTube prank show producer. This man convinced these two girls to become linchpin figures in a global power play between the descendants of Kim Jong-il. What ultimately transpired was these two women smearing cream onto Kim Jong-il's oldest son, Kim Jong-nam's face, in what they thought was a farcical prank video, but ultimately turned out to be a deadly assassination. One, a dynasty so clean, family. It's the unbreakable bond that ties so many of us together. It's a simple word standing in for a complex network of emotions and connections. And no family is more complex than the family at the head of one of the world's most fascinating and oppressive cultures, the family in charge charting the course of North Korea. Kim Jong-un is the current supreme leader of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea. He's the son of Kim Jong-il and the grandson of Kim Il-sung the country's first supreme leader. It's this dynastic connection to these two other men that has inarguably defined every waking moment of Kim Jong-un's life. The young man has lived his entire existence either in shadow of or in the spotlight of a dictatorial power that has caused discussion all over the globe. Kim Jong-un has been the leader of North Korea since December of 2011, when his father finally died and he was installed as the ruler of a communist state with an ironclad grip on the lives of its people. His past is shrouded in secrecy. Only the faintest of details have squeaked out about his upbringing, his personality, and his personal beliefs. Despite being born and initially raised in Pyongyang, the boy who would eventually become the single most important person in modern North Korean history spent much of his formative years in Bern, Switzerland. Today, he's known as a fan of basketball and for having a friendship with former Chicago Bulls power forward Dennis Rodman. But at the time, he was just an average teenager attending one of the international schools located in Bern. He's believed to have been born in the early 1980s, but with no official birth date having ever been revealed, which is strange because both of his forefathers' birthdays are internet, they're not international, holidays. Are you celebrating Kim Jong-il day today, man? Bro, dude, it's Kim Jong-il day, bro. What are you gonna do, man? What I don't know why do? we celebrate this here in the US and also in France, but like those little cocktail weenies are delicious. I love eating those little cocktail weenies with the uh, with the, the giant reflector black old person sunglasses and weird pompadour haircut on them. God, it's my favorite tradition for. They're made out of black licorice, which you wouldn't think work would work, but it does somehow. It's so, it so does. Yeah, I will say I'm really glad that uh, Kim Il-sung's birthday is a much more stated affair, because if there were two national holidays that are like wiling out the way Kim Jong-il day is, I, I don't think I could handle it, bro. Yeah, it wouldn't, it would, it would just be too much. Like you can't have Christmas every day. Like you, like when you're a kid, every kid wishes that Kim Jong-il day was every day. But then when you get older, you're like, it's more special because it's just the one time a year. And Kim Il-sung day is like a really nice respite, you know? It's, uh, you get to tour the hall of wonders or whatever the fuck that thing is. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah, you, you know, where every, it, I think it's called like the International Hall of Friendship or something. It's where, in this is a real thing, by the way, we're not making this up. In North Korea, there's a giant like warehouse basement structure where every gift that Kim Il-sung and Kim Jong-il were ever given during their supreme leaderships uh, are housed. And people make pilgrimages to see this collection of antiquities and items that world leaders have purportedly gifted them in international friendship. It's fucking crazy. It's like the bat cave, you know, where there's like a giant penny and a fucking dinosaur and stuff. But it's all just like the Kim dynasty. Well, it's funny that you say that. It's funny you compare it to the bat cave because that that leads into something that I wanted to talk about or wanted to say, which is just right up top. the, The thing that's so fascinating to me about dictatorial power across the globe in general, but specifically in North Korea because it's so isolated, is this idea of this like this this stag stagnant power or like atrophying power in a vacuum. Because almost anywhere else in the world, in the in the Western world, I guess more more specifically, uh, power is this cyclical and evolutionary thing, right? Where even if there is some kind of like underlying power movement that's happening, it's happening over a period of years. And there's this there's these periods of growth and there's this this slow building of the power. And then sometimes that power is toppled and then some other power takes its place. You know, whatever that power may be, whether it's progressive power or fascist power, you know, it it takes time for something like that to grow within a, a, a societal structure. Like some of the things that we're seeing now with the rise of certain like fascist ideologies has been like slow cooking in the background since like the 1920s. Um and that and that's 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 his own whole fascinating situation where it's like, oh man, all these like all these all these like groups and lobbies that they created in the 40s have slowly paid off to put like a a critical mass of fascist people in power in the United States. Like that's a whole other fascinating thing. But this is like the opposite of that, where it's like the Kim Jong-un is just like he's just in this vacuum of like, okay, you're you're in you're in charge now. And then, like, he just, like, hangs out and, like, no matter what he does, he just stays in power. Nothing ever changes or evolves. No matter what mistakes he makes, whatever triumphs he makes, there's almost no stakes to him being in power. It's like no matter what he does, they just make up some story around it. If he if he has a victory, then, like, he has a victory. If he fucks up and does something wrong, they're just like, actually, he meant to do that wrong because he was actually uh, told by a magical priest that that was what he had to do. And then everyone's like, whoa, yay, the victory or whatever. And then in that vacuum, more than any other society, everything is just like made up. Like when you hear some of the details of like how their like government works, it's just like made up bullshit like that, like a bat cave of of trinkets. It, it's just it's so weird to me that it's like it's like you, you can do nothing to actually like change your grip on the power until somebody like overthrows you someday, which hasn't happened. And I don't think they expect that to happen. And in that vacuum, you're just like you're just like you're just like fucking improving. It's so this is this dovetails into another thing. Uh, last week, I watched the Vice documentary about North Korea where Shane, what's his face? The main guy from Vice went and yeah. That's just crazy. Yeah. Where he's where he go he goes into that that like that office and they're just like pretending like they're working on their computers. 
and there's a guy just standing there staring at a Google's the Google homepage. Yeah. And like the you know, the some of the stuff he describes in that documentary is like there's whole workforces of people who are training their entire lives. They're studying English. They're, um, you know, preparing to be almost kind of like cultural envoys or cultural attaches. But they're also training to make sure that outsiders don't get an accurate view of what life is like in North Korea. So these guys that get assigned to them as like cultural exchange ambassadors are also kind of like their bodyguards and they have to make sure they don't go anywhere, but they get all these privileges because they are, you know, shepherding them like, oh, we're all going out to dinner. I'm going to eat all this food with you. Oh, we're going to do karaoke. I'm going to smoke cigarettes with you. So the whole time these like governmental operatives are almost in this like kundalini yoga like you know, Bikram yoga, like crazy, like trance of just pure joy because their entire life is is abstinence waiting for someone else to come in so that they can binge on excess to prove what their culture has, you know, and how, how magnificent the supreme leader is. And it's so crazy in the footage of, you know, like them singing, you know, I don't know, whatever, anarchy in the UK while smoking cigarettes together drunkenly is just like it's so it's it's like lo- looking into a, a time portal to like the 1950s and i think that that documentary is actually kind of in a bad faith in some ways like that documentary is so blatantly from a western point of view not that i'm saying they need to be like well actually kim jong-il and kim jong-un they're doing some cool stuff i'm not saying that but like everything is just like these people are stupid. This is bad. This is horrible, which it is. But there's a way to position that argument to make it more humanist and not just like almost xenophobic in some ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, you're talking about Vice. Vi- you know, Vice is like this company that's built around not journalistic objectivity, but like ratcheting up sensationalism o- around crazy stories to generate like they're they're the original like Vice is literally the OG of turning news into social media clickbait. They were like the people that invented that. But I, there were there were certain points in that documentary that I was very fascinated by and stuff. I then other stuff that I was kind of like, I, I don't know, guys, I don't know about how you're handling this. Um but yeah, the the North Korean, the whole North, the whole no-co sitch, you know, this whole situation of of North Korea, it's pretty crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's a, there's a cross section between like, there, there's a Venn diagram of like, there's some really fucked up shit going on over here. And then like, there's like terrible leadership and horrible crimes against humanity. And then there's like the other circle, which is just like being shitty and and racist and xenophobic against another culture. And then there's like there's there's overlap there where it like one kind of excuses the other for some for some people. Um, and I'm, I'm also just so curious of what like, you know, I, th- I feel like we have somewhat of an understanding of what life is like in some contexts in North Korea. But like, what is it like when you're just like a normal person just like going around? Like, is it as oppressive as it seems or are you just like, oh, I just kind of live in this like quaint village in the middle of nowhere. And like, yeah, we kind of have to scrape to get by. But like that's kind of everywhere. You know, everybody's trying to pay rent and trying to, you know, live a prosperous life. Like what what is how how extreme is it on the ground? I'm very curious about that. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm sure it's a lot more like that than it's depicted in in like the media. Like to our point, it's it's probably not just like this fucking 
country that's in that's just a concentration a concentration camp as it's sort of like de- depicted. I'm sure it's not exactly that, you know, all the time at least. Yeah, I mean like do they have, you know, uh iPhones that are where they're like fucking watching YouTube all the time? Probably not, you know, but you could make an argument that that's not a bad thing, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Kim Jong-un has two older brothers and a sister. They spent much of their childhood in Switzerland, where they all lived in an apartment purchased for $4 million by the North Korean government. Kim Jong-un's classmates at the International School of Bern claimed that he was an average student and that he was given the false identity name Pak Un for his time there. They also have said that he wore exclusively Adidas tracksuits and Nike tennis shoes, which is just so funny to me. Like, this is the shit why, like, the Bible skips everything from, like, 8 to 30 for Jesus. Because knowing that the God King Supreme Leader of your country dressed exclusively in Adidas tracksuits just immediately is like, mm, do I really want to follow this guy? Yeah, br- breaks the kayfabe. Totally breaks the kayfabe. But I kind of love the idea of him being on like eBay at like 2 a.m. in Switzerland being like, mom, mom, the, 20, the 25th Adidas Run DMC, Adidas tracksuits. The, the, the auction's ending, mom, come on, please bid more, mom. I love this idea. Well, and it's also it speaks more to what I was saying before, because it's like since the pandemic happened, my neutral outfit has become pajama pants and a T-shirt and a and a cardigan sweater, because like, why the fuck would I get dressed like I'm not going anywhere and getting dressed in clothes is like the 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 out of the norm special occasion thing. But imagine that, but as this massively powerful head of a dynasty where you're just you're just so like you're you're so free to just like conceptually roam around in your within the context of your life that you're just like, eh, I'm just going to wear track suits for like all the time because like like that's just what I want to wear. And there's no reason not to. I kind of love the idea, though, that there would be like a tracksuit God King, you know, like some country just sets up a dude who's like, yeah, I just my formal wear is tracksuits. And he just like shows up to the UN in like gold filigreed tracksuits. Like that sounds amazing to me. Oh, man, I love it. I mean, it's it's the only it's aside from all the crimes against humanity. Like I'm, I'm on board with that. In his late teens or maybe his early 20s, we're not sure. Kim Jong-un was recalled back to North Korea, where he attended military school with his brother, Kim Jong-chol. So for the record, the fabulous Kim Jong brothers are Kim Jong-nam, which is their half-brother. He's the oldest. Kim Jong-chol, who we've got a photo of right here, and Kim Jong-un, who's the youngest and the current leader. Um, so Kim Jong-il, their, their father, had three sons, and he was kind of like, trying to figure out which of the three of them would be the leader. And Kim Jong-nam, according to reports I read, was kind of never in the running. He always kind of had a little bit of a, I don't want to say precocious streak, but a streak where it was very clear that he was not down with North Korea. He didn't really want to be involved in the system. He was very much like, this is bullshit. I I don't want this. No, dad, I don't want to run a a nation. Leave me alone. I want to I want to paint. You know, Dad, I don't want to run a military. I want to dance. Uh, so his second son, Kim Jong-chol, uh, Kim Jong-il thought he was kind of weak and effeminate and not leadership material. So he also kind of was never in the running, but he went to military school to basically for them to kind of like suss out like, do you got it? No, you don't got it? Okay, never mind. 
And then Kim Jong-un, the youngest son, is the son that uh, eventually ended up ascending to the throne, obviously. And they're like, they're like, all right, youngest one, third time's a charm. No, not quite there. Ah, fuck it. We got, we have no other options. It's, it's either, uh, it's either him or the daughter who actually seems competent. So, uh, definitely go with the son who is a fucking moron. Yeah, we have, we have this, this tracksuit wearing fucking idiot or just like a normal competent person, but she's a woman. Guess we're going for the goober. I mean, always go for the penis. Yeah, for sure. That's, that, that's, that, that's followed me throughout my life. As a, as a philosophy. Uh, so this is a this is a photo here, Old Dirty Spanger, that we're going to describe just briefly of um, the family minus Kim Jong-il, because this is kind of when they were like sort of not in hiding, but when they were in Switzerland. Um, so, uh, yeah, you want to you want to describe the this these these people is. So is this this is uh, the youngest kid? Is that that's Kim Jong-un, the, the little kid? Yeah, the, the youngest kid here is Kim Jong-un. Uh, and then it's their mother and their sister. And I believe that the the boy, the older boy, the teenage boy in this photo is not Kim Jong-chol, but Kim, Kim Jong-nam. I don't know why Kim Jong-chol is not in this photo, but... What time period is this from? This is from when he was uh, probably somewhere between 9 and 12. So late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. I mean, number one, similar to the Grady Styles episode, when we looked at that picture of young Grady Styles, I'm into Kim Jong-un's outfit. <laughs> so for the record, he's wearing a white T-shirt, like tiny short shorts that are basically just underwear, um, small tan Ked shoes, and uh, high white socks. He looks like he's about to like be on like a track team or something. Yeah, I wish I wish I could I wish I could pull off this look. I don't know, man. You're selling yourself short. I feel like you could. No, I'd be I'd be arrested immediately if I wore this. <laughs> well, you are six three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, other than that, yeah, it's 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 funny because it it my, reason why I asked you what time period it was because the photo is in color, but the styles of the clothes that they're wearing and just something, a it, it look, this looks like it's a picture from like the fifties, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean, there's just, it, it's like a, a normal looking family. Uh, like you would never guess that this was like some fucking dynasty of dictators. It just looks like, it just looks like a norm. It's like, this looks like a Sears photo of some family weirdly in the fifties and also the eighties at the same time. Yeah. It, to me, this looks like a, photo that's like the fake photo on the mantle of the sitcom version of like life with the kims yeah yeah it looks like it looks like the picture that comes in the photo frame yeah 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 um i'm trying to think of more uh, puns now that could be used as sitcom titles with the word kim in them like kim you even believe it uh would be the name of their show and uh you know it's about them finding out that their youngest son kim jong-un is uh going to inherit a dictatorial nation state hellbent on nuclear weapons uh, manufacturing. And uh, yeah, it's funny because in this photo, he's a pretty cute little kid. Um, And also Kim uh, Jong-nam's got like a little like smirk, you know, he's kind of like, he seems like he has a little bit of a joke, like, I'm totally going to get murdered by my brother. (laughs) You know, he's like, he's got a little like, a little twinkle in his eye. We both know it. Yeah, whereas whereas his mother and uh, his sister both have like hide the fear, hide the fear, hide the fear expressions where it's like you're trying to have a neutral expression, but like low key, 
you're terrified that there's a man with an M16 standing right off camera. Yeah. At all times, you might be assassinated around any corner. Yeah. I'm just so curious, like, okay, so you're in this family, you're being raised in Pyongyang, your father is the, you know, head of state. And then one day someone comes to you and goes, I know you're seven, but we're going to give you a fake name and you're going to go to Switzerland and you're going to learn to speak English and you're going to never acknowledge where you're from. You have to keep it a secret. Okay, just keep everything a secret. Cool. Two seconds of silence. Road trip! <laughs> it just must be so surreal to be a part of this family. Like, you know, and also the fact that, like, so many people in his family are dead, like, largely because of the infighting that's happened and the struggle for power is just... It's crazy when you see the faces of the people that are supposed to defend you and love you unconditionally, who you know at one point or not are at least going to passively consider having you assassinated. Yeah, some some Game of Thrones shit. So in 2011, Kim Jong-un moved into the big chair, the seat of power. Shortly after, he got married to Ri Sol-ju, a North Korean cheerleader who was selected for him to be his bride. They currently supposedly have three kids, but no one knows for sure. Which also just sounds like more made-up bullshit. It's just like somebody being like, all right, uh, I need a wife. Bring me a cheerleader. Like... <laughs> It's it's just like made up bullshit. It's like it sounds like what a child would think being powerful was. And now things are going to get even weirder. So during the early years of his reign, his aunt and uncle basically drove the ship for him. Kim Kyung Hyu, which is his aunt uh, and his uncle, Jang Sok Thak. Uh, let's let's talk about this photo here. This woman to the left of Kim Jong Un is his aunt. And uh, she she's the woman who supposedly kind of engineered his ascendancy and along with her husband really um, were the, was the brains behind the operation until he was old enough to fully take over as the supreme leader, even though he was supreme leader immediately. Uh, she ran the day to day operations. Do you want to describe her? It's uh, like a short woman uh very kind of like serious and curt looking obviously dressed in like it's like military garb um lo looks weird so she's standing here like almost like stomach to stomach with Kim Jong-un and this is like all this picture like there's no better like illustration of what you're talking about than this picture because it looks exactly like she's like standing up close to him like being like, all right, now say this now. Okay, no, don't do that. Say this now. Yes, say yes. Okay, now now nod your head. No, don't do that. And then he's like looking. He's like looking off out towards an audience or something like that with this look of like, I don't know what I'm doing. Please tell me. Yeah, uh, I would describe her as being a cross between like the the energy of like a a mob boss in the body of Mac from Mac and Me. They just. Uh, Paul Rudd goes on an episode of Conan and just shows him this picture. Yeah, because she's kind of got like a, you know, lower set cheekbones and kind of a jowly face in the same way that Mac from Mac and Mead has. And she has eyes that are a little bit close set together. But she just has this like, do not fuck with me energy. Like, you know, this woman is the like, you, you look at her wrong and she's just like, I feel like your time on this planet is no longer needed. Let's kill you and then you're just beheaded on the spot yeah 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 um 
so her husband, Jang Song Thak, who right here is wearing like a Korean general's uniform, was the one kind of in charge of... The extraction on this espresso was a little weak. It's a little sour. Come with me, barista. <laughs> so this is a photo of Jang Song Thak, who is her husband, who is a general in the North Korean military and who kind of was responsible for a lot of the military strategy and day-to-day -day maintenance of the military while Kim Jong-un was kind of in this fledgling period of his uh, rule. But here's the thing. In 2013, Kim Jong-un had his uncle murdered and all of his uncle's inner circle also murdered. So he basically was just like, let's just do a murder buffet on all those guys. How does that sound? <clears throat> Which I think I, I I I knew about that. Like I remember hearing about that. That that was much more widely reported than the story we're talking about now, which is crazy because we'll get to it. But it's insane to me that I never heard this story. But I remember this story in the news in, during that time for sure. And here's where things shift from Korea to Malaysia, where this familial dynasty is about to be put on an increasingly global stage. Two, I thought it was all a game. On February 13th, 2014, the eldest son of Kim Jong-il, Kim Jong-nam, was strolling into the Kalula Lumpur International Airport, expecting to make a routine flight. He was traveling under a pseudonym used for his own protection. He was just coming from a resort island of Lang Kwai. He arrived at Terminal 2 around 9 a.m., and he was expecting to take a 10.50 a.m. flight on AirAsia heading towards Macau but he would not make this flight. So we got some photos here of King Kim Jong-nam as an adult. Um, I'm gonna go first. This first photo of Kim Jong-nam, he's wearing a blue striped shirt, wearing a golf cap, uh, and he's waving to the, uh, to the camera in a somewhat ebullient manner while walking through some sort of hotel doors. And I'm gonna say Kim Jong-nam looks like your favorite guest star from a 1990s sitcom where he plays the kooky neighbor that's only a semi-recurring cast member. That's not that's not fully dissimilar from what I was going to say, which is that he just looks like North Korean Dom DeLuise. <laughs> Have I ever told you that I had like a, a thing about Dom DeLuise as a kid? I, no, I don't think we've ever discussed Dom DeLuise. I loved Dom DeLuise. Like, I, like as a six-year-old, I was like, oh, can we watch a new episode of Lamb Chop? Because hopefully Dom DeLuise will be in it. Oh, yeah, I love Dom DeLuise, too. I love that guy. And you're, you're right, he, Kim Jong-nam, I can see why this guy was just like, uh, dictatorial power? Nah, I'm good. Because he definitely doesn't give off that vibe, especially in this photo. Other stuff, I could see him being some sort of shadowy governmental type, but... This photo, he's just so like, he's got his lips pursed in this very cute little smile and he's kind of like, hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for taking my photo. <laughs> yeah, which is which is funny because it's like, he, as we're about to get, as we're about to get to, he meets his fate due to a fake YouTube prank and uh, Dom DeLuise famously was on Candid Camera. Dom DeLuise also famously assassinated people through Candid Camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every episode of Candid Camera was actually just an assassination. Uh, so these next two photos uh, are him. One where he's in his uh, probably late 20s, early 30s, where he has hair. 
and one in his late 30s, early 40s, where that shit went south and our, our boy is rocking the Picard. His T count was too high. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was, yeah. Um, but yeah, he. it's interesting because he, 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 if you just did not tell him, if, you, if I didn't know that this guy was a fucking one of the potential heirs to the North Korean dictatorship, I never would have guessed that. I would have been like, yeah, this guy like, runs a jewelry store in Chatsworth or something. Well, yeah, I know. I, I keep harping on this, but it's just it's the most fascinating thing to me about just the 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 ill or the the dynasty of of the ill family or whatever. Um, the the fact that like usually dictators and people in power part of their part of the kayfabe of rising to power and maintaining power is looking the part and having the charisma and the um the 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 feel of confidence and control at all times so it's this carefully this this carefully constructed pers- public persona that's designed to make you look badass and powerful and make you at all times seem like you're in control and you know what's happening but for them they don't need to do any of that stuff they they have they don't have to do any of this stuff in order to remain in power so they're just like chilling. They're just fucking hanging out. They're just like, they're just like, yeah, I'm just wearing some sweatpants. Like I lost my hair, but like, whatever. No fucks, man. No fucks. As Kim Jong-nam strolled through the airport, two women approached him and abruptly smeared some type of oily substance on his face. He collapsed momentarily before stumbling downstairs seeking medical attention. He then passed away roughly 10 minutes later. He was struck with VX, a highly dangerous and illegal chemical weapon. The two women, CT Ayasya and Don Thi Hyong, had been hired to perform a stunt for an ongoing YouTube prank show. The man who had hired them introduced himself as Jason and Mr. Y, respectively. The first time I met James, I thought he was a really nice, funny guy, said Sitia to the National Geographic channel. He asked if I wanted to be in a film shoot. I said, what kind of film? He said, it's a comedy show. It involves pranking people. So I thought, why not? They worked together for months. Jason would fly CT and a virtual army of other young women to different cities around Malaysia and have them pull prank after prank, smearing lotion on unsuspecting passersby. We did a lot of these pranks. We used body lotion and baby oil. That day didn't feel any different. The airport was quite busy. He said, if I gave a good performance, his boss would give me a bonus. Then he said, there he is. I asked which one. He said, the guy in the gray suit. Then he put the oil in my hands. The two women attacked this man, rubbing oil all over his face. When asked what Kim Jong-nam's reaction was, she said, the guy looked very nervous, so I ran off. Security cameras caught a chemist and four different witnesses in the airport watching as everything transpired. The leader, spotted smoking by the exit, has since been codenamed Grandpa. Four of the men involved in the case got on a plane and left for North Korea promptly after the assassination. Let's let's talk about a couple of things real quick. So a couple of things about this. So number one, just to kind of like go a little bit more into detail, there's these two women and they are hired separately uh, to do these prank shows. So they're not working together. They're working independently, going around and smearing lotion on people's faces on camera for video for YouTube pranks. Number one, it's really funny to me that this same guy who was r- running this operation, he met one of the women and she was like, oh, you want me to you want to hire me to do these YouTube pranks? What is your name? And he's like, um, my name is Mr. Y. And then he goes and he hires a second woman and she's like, oh, you want me to do these YouTube pranks? What's your name? And he's like, Jason. Yeah, Jason. My name's Jason. Like, 
he's he's like I, I don't know I I I I panicked on the second one I couldn't think of a cool name I just went with Jason uh, and the other thing is now we'll get into this throughout the remainder of this story but clearly you know when putting together this assassination idea there was probably a fair amount of thought that went into basically like what how can we craft a situation where we can get two unsuspecting people to assassinate this guy without their own knowledge without realizing that they're doing it what's the easiest most efficient way and a lot of times when you read about like real life assassinations they're never as like cool as the assassinations that happen in movies because you watch a movie and like assassinations and and murder plots they're always like very ingenious and it's like oh like that's a that's a smart way to kill somebody and it's like really interesting the way that they like like it like in um like in Munich when they have the those those um they basically build these little like hand pumped guns like 22 caliber guns that you shoot by like it's like a little bar and you smack one end of it and it shoots a 22 caliber round out of it. And they have these bikes that have the gun built into it. So it's like the crossbar of the bike. And then they pull out the little poles to assassinate somebody, um, which I mean, Munich is based on a true story, but that didn't actually happen in real life. But, you know, somebody came up with this really clever idea for how to assassinate somebody covertly. But in real life, the actual assassinations are never as cool as that because always like the most simple kind of like dumb way of killing somebody is usually the quickest and most efficient way. So clearly they came up with this idea of like, oh, we just have to like take this chemical agent and just put it on his face and he'll die. Like that's just that's all we need to do. So how do we reverse engineer a scenario where somebody can go up and smear something on his face to kill him? And they came up with this idea of doing YouTube pranks and like gaslighting somebody into thinking that they're doing YouTube pranks so that they eventually do this in this like multiple steps of removal way where the person doesn't realize it. And anybody who sees the assassination will think that it's like a prank gone wrong or something. And so for months, they were just doing these pranks where they were just walking up to people and putting lotion on their face. Lamest prank ever. Yeah. But also they were doing it with like not just these two women. Like these are the two women that did it the best. These were the two best lotionizers. Yeah, they, they were testing different people and then they just they whittled it down to these two. They were like the most convincing and the most the most effective at doing it. But the prank that they were doing that they thought were going onto YouTube and getting millions of views was I'm just going to put lotion on this stranger's face. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Like, I, I can only imagine if I was doing that, I'd be like, I mean, they're paying me, but like, this sucks. Like, these aren't funny. This is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Like, who's watching this and thinking this is hilarious? Oh, lotion on your face. That's how lotion works. <laughs> you just rub it in and it's gone. <laughs> I moisturized you. Please make sure to like and subscribe for more Strizens. Just getting them more Strizens going on, baby. You just got Strized. Thank you. Oh, I feel so rejuvenated right now. <laughs> After the hubbub died down, the Malaysian police arrested two women and nine North Korean nationals that were thought to have been involved in the case. The North Korean government, however, barred any Malaysian citizen from being a passenger on or traveling outside of the country of North Korea. 
thus holding them hostage, forcing the Malaysian government to turn over the North Korean nationals back to them. Without anyone to prosecute, the government put the two women on trial. Turning our attention to the latest on the Vietnamese woman accused of participating in killing Kim Jong-nam, the half-brother of North Korea's leader. She will soon be released with the charge of murder downgraded to assault. Here's Kim Mo-gyun with the updates. Prosecutors in Malaysia have decided to drop the charge of murder against Vietnamese national Duan Thi Hong, who had been detained for the past two years for taking part in the killing of North Korean leader Kim Jong-un's half-brother Kim Jong-nam. Media reports say Monday that the charge was downgraded from murder to assault and that Huang was sentenced to three years and four months behind bars, including time already served. The judge reportedly said the decision was aimed at finding a balance between the interests of the public and the interests of the accused. Huang's lawyer said that under the Malaysian law, she could be freed as early as the first week of May due to a one-third term reduction for good behavior. Now, as far as the one is concerned, we are happy because ultimately she can go home within a month. And uh, AG has uh, reconsidered our representation, prepared to offer an alternative charge, and we are happy with that. The sentence came three weeks after Huang's Indonesian co-defendant, Siti Aisha, was set free reportedly with help from the Indonesian government. On February 13, 2017, the two women smeared a lethal nerve agent on Kim's face, which eventually killed him on his way to the hospital. The two have been pleading their innocence, claiming that they were tricked by four men into believing that they were taking part in a reality TV prank. Those four men, identified as North Koreans, fled Malaysia on the day of the incident. Interpol issued a red alert, but they are still at large. It's understood that the North had ordered the assassination of Kim Jong-nam, who was seen as a threat to Kim Jong-un's power, but Pyongyang has denied it. Kim Mo-gyan, Arirang News. So as you uh, as you saw in the or as you heard in the news news footage, they basically didn't have anybody else to put on trial. So they put these two women on trial. It was this huge media circus. Everybody was like, oh, my God, they're murderers. No, they're not. They just didn't know what they were doing. They were just pawns in this like everyone else. Blah, 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 blah. Goes on, goes on, goes on. Um, the woman w- whose interviews segments were quoted earlier in the earlier in the episode um, was helped by the Indonesian government. She got off without a murder murder charge, um, but the Vietnamese woman uh, Don Thi Huang um, was originally sentenced to three years, and she served a good chunk not not all of it, but she ch- she served a chunk of it, and then eventually the charges got reduced, and she was let go. Um, which has just got to be so fucking surreal to know that you like played a part in this dynastic sibling rivalry and you fucking murdered someone and, and it's going to be with you for the rest of your life over like what you thought was like a hundred dollars and a for a YouTube show. Like, it's just so weird. Yeah. I mean, it's like that is like your whole life and also perception of reality shifting in a second like you you went from just thinking like just being like i don't know like they're just paying us to go around smearing lotion on people's faces it's real weird but like i guess it's a living like i guess i'd rather be doing this than working at at kinko's or something like helping people make photocopies for minimum wage or something like that and then in an instant being like oh i assassinated a fucking uh, like royalty on accident it's like your whole life just shifts in a in a in a millisecond it just turns and no matter what you do now even i mean one you you probably feel just horrible about it but also everyone knows that about you so now your your persona for the rest of your life is that like it you it's like impossible to escape that 
Yeah. And by the way, I don't know why I use Kinko's as an example. That doesn't, that doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, the thing that I'm really curious about this that I didn't see anybody covering in any of the news stuff that I was watching to prepare for this is like, how did they not get VX on them? Because they had like, they had it in their hands. Yeah, I thought the, I thought the same thing. Yeah, I was like, how did, how did it not affect them? Maybe it needs to be on your face, like around your mouth and nose or something. I, I don't know. All, all I know is they both were tested and neither of them had it. Um, there was residue on it on their clothes, but they neither of them were. Yeah, I'm sure that the people who hired them to do it didn't care if they like them potentially dying from it was probably like an acceptable part of the plan. Yeah, but you just you still need them, you know, if, speaking of, from a strategic point of view, like you need them to be able to carry out the thing before dying. Um so it's just like a crazy situation that like if you had just scratched your nose while walking towards him, you would be dead right now. Yeah. And they had and they had no idea. It's crazy. What's even what's even wilder to me. This is my favorite part of this story. And I'm so excited to watch this with you. My favorite part of this story is the North Korean government's response to all this. They refuse to admit that the assassination attempt was fueled by their machinations. And specifically, they don't even think that Kim Jong uh, Nam is the guy who got killed. Like they refuse to believe, they refuse to admit that he was Kim Jong Nam traveling with a fake ID. They're like, no, I think it's Kim Choi, I think is the name of the person, his persona. They're like, no, the guy is Kim Choi. He's Kim Choi. He, Kim Choi is dead. I don't. We should look into why this Kim Choi guy is dead. I don't. I don't. I don't know what the fuck's it's going real on. Real sad that we lost Kim Choi. He was a great guy. Loved him. Um, but uh, yeah, not 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 my brother. Watch this interview though. I'm so excited for you to see this this fucking guy because this guy is my favorite character in this whole thing. He is cuckoo pants. Dong Jidan. That North Korea tried to make the point by assassinating him, that's ridiculous. And that's being said as a truth, not as a suspicion. In a cast of unlikely characters, Alejandro Caldebono is surely the most bizarre. Cal, a Spaniard, is special representative of the North Korean foreign ministry and claims the police not only have the wrong suspect, they don't even have the right victim. You're saying this wasn't Kim Jong-nam? This was not Kim Jong-nam. So who was murdered in the airport? Kim Chol, citizen Kim Chol, in all his documents, in his passport. Why would someone want to assassinate Kim Chol? We don't know the reasons. We don't know. We try to clarify why someone killed this person, if he was really killed, if it was not a plot. Okay, so it's like literally just the joke I just made is literally just what this is. He's like, I don't know, man. He was a great guy. I don't know what happened to him. From their own CIA or South Korean intelligence. And with a nerve agent supposed to be a weapon of mass, of mass destruction, which is ridiculous. As far as Western intelligence is concerned, the plot was devised by Kim Jong-un, who purposely ordered the use of VX poison to send a message to the world. Do you think they want us to know they've got this? Absolutely. I think uh, they want to. They want to be part of, you know, the, the sort of WMD weapons of mass destruction or we weapons of mass terror club. I think they're saying, look, you know, we are a serious player here. You can no longer ignore us. Does North Korea have VX nerve agent? But that's a question to be made to an official in charge of the army. I'm a cultural representative. If I knew that, it will be quite strange or ridiculous. So would it be fair to say if you're not briefed on whether North Korea has chemical weapons, mm -hmm. You wouldn't be briefed on whether an assassination happened in an airport in Kuala Lumpur? No, I, it's not. I will not be. Don't try to find 
a way to try to make your point to accuse our country. You are just trying like a snake no, to no, sneak no. around. He's Malachi Love Robinsoning. Dude, it's also like you can tell that he is like, fuck, that's a good point. Cause his eyes like unfocus for a minute and then they like refocus with him being like, Don't don't try and skirt this. Don't don't try and you know, obfuscate the discussion. And then he goes into, I'm thinking of what I'm saying one word at a time mode. Yes. I found all kinds of excuses. I told you, it's not that I have to be brief. It's just a matter of logic and a matter of how we operate. A way of And then it just becomes, it just becomes word salad. It just becomes like, I'm just saying shit. You caught me off guard. I literally have no response to what you just said. Like you're absolutely right. And so now I'm just going to say words. It's never that way. And we never work in that way. It now seems all the North Korean agents have escaped sanction. Three suspects holed up in the North Korean embassy in Kuala Lumpur have been allowed to leave the country. Excuse me. Excuse me. Could you talk? Could we talk? But the two young women charged with murder seem doomed. Siti is adamant she's innocent, but that may not save her. Is she scared now about what will happen? Of course she's scared because and that she's been charged for murder. What's the penalty she's facing? In Malaysia, if you're charged for murder, there's only one penalty, that is death by hanging, no other penalty. And even if the women were to somehow walk free, they may forever be themselves a target. I've been a lawyer for 37 years, and this is the first time my client ever wear a bulletproof vest to the court. They think she's a target. Of course, likely to be from North Korea. Why would they want to kill her? Then they would have silenced her, innit? And as for the rest of us, well, we know they have weapons of mass destruction. Now, they've shown their willingness to use them. How far would North Korea go to protect its interests? I will try to say it with a word we used to say in Korea, okay, the phrase, is that there will be no world without Korea. So it will go all the way. If North Korea is attacked, you can expect a nuclear war and a nuclear war that will obviously affect all the, all the world. That shit's real funny until he's like, oh, and by the way, we're gonna nuke everybody's, so just be like a chill guys, okay? Because uh, I love dictators. They're pretty cool guys, but also we're gonna fucking kill everybody's. And I just like moved here and wanted to do this. Yeah, I, I immediately after watching that, uh, after watching that clip with him, I'm like, do we have to do an episode on this guy? Because this dude is crazy. I'm not, I wasn't like born in this country and then just kind of like happened into this position. Like I came here and was like, where's my uniform, bruh? <laughs> It was just like, uh, y'all got those nuclear weapons? Because I definitely want to lobby for you. I also like the idea, and I like the idea, I, I don't like the idea, but it's funny that Kim Jong-un was like, all right, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta fucking assassinate him. He's gotten too big for his britches. We gotta take him out. And his operatives were like, all right, we'll just, we'll give him some, we'll just walk up to him and like stick some deadly nerve agent in, in, into his face at the airport and walk away. And he's like, all right, that sounds good. That sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, could you like remember that show prank uh, punked with with Ashton Ashty, my boy Ashty. I love that show. There's nothing like that anymore. Or like the Jamie Kennedy experiment. Remember that? Remember that? That show was was fucking dope. So what your, your plan, the thing you just said, 
but can you make it like a punked thing? And they were like, I, I guess. Yeah, I, I suppose. He's like, all right, cool, 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 cool. Just do what you said. Kill him, of course, obviously. Stick the stuff in his face or whatever you said, but make it a punked thing. They're like, all right, we'll we'll do it. It's like, it's not even in the top 10 weirdest things you've asked us to do, so I'm not even going to question it. I This story is just so insane to me. Like, it doesn't feel real. Like, nothing about this seems... Nothing about this seems this seems like a like a like a counterintelligence psyop where it's like we're going to falsely disseminate a news story to show how idiotic the North Korean military and intelligence community is by saying that there was a failed assassination attempt where they staged situations and pretended to be and pretended to be a YouTube prank show and then for some reason it actually worked and then the cia had to be like oh uh shit uh fuck damn um yeah i guess it was them they it was totally the the north koreans they're they're criminal masterminds i just can't believe that i never heard of this story because like i said to to my to my point before like especially like during during 2013 there was like everything about north korea was being talked about in the media the the thing about him assassinating his uncle was like a big story. That was around the time that 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 movie came out. Whatever that movie was called, Seth Rogen and and James. Franklin yeah, the movie. the interview. Yeah, that that movie came out then. It was like a huge topic that was being talked about. Every little thing that they were doing was being discussed. And this story is like way bigger and way crazier than the uncle story. And I but I never heard about this. I hadn't heard about it until you sent it to me, and I immediately was just like, oh, this is an episode of the show, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 insane. And uh, there's there's a whole documentary about this, too. It's called. Uh, oh, it's just called Assassins. Came out in 2020. And here we are definitely having all of the information. This is the, this is the only thing that this story I seem I feel, feel like is we kind of know most of the information. But like anytime there's all this documentary stuff or it's less documentary and more of the whenever there's like a serialized prestige TV show or a feature film made out of one of these historical events, I'm always like. But is that responsible to make something like that right now? Like, we don't have the full breadth of the story or the history for any of this shit. I guess this is a slightly different point than what we're talking about right now. But anytime this stuff kind of makes its way into the the world of movies, I'm like, mm, I feel like it's kind of irresponsible to not wait 50 years. Like, what if it comes out that these two women actually are assassins? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. I don't know. Yeah, and especially because, like, we turn around and, like, make things into movies, like, a second later now. Like, everything is just like, oh, this is getting adapted into a fucking docuseries on Netflix. And it's, yeah, like, to your point, it's like, we don't, we, like, we likely don't know fucking half the, like, like, in the... In the uh, MK Ultra episode, like everything we know about MK Ultra is like twenty percent of what there actually was about it, and it's been and it's been decades. So now it's like this is kind of what we know about it. So let's talk about it. But like, it, it, you you imagine like making some movie about MK Ultra back in the seventies when they first came out with the information and just presenting that like all there is to know about it. Yeah, yeah, and that shit happens like every day now. You know, like what's the what's the uh you know, the the life expectancy of that uh, Elizabeth Holmes TV show, right? You know, her life isn't over yet. What if she does something equally as bad? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, who's to say where all that shit is going? Yeah, I mean, yeah, the story wasn't even over yet. Like, that, that show came out, a documentary and a narrative TV show came out, and then 
after that, she like tried to flee the country whenever she was given prison a prison sentence. Like they did they didn't even wait for like the story to finish. Well, look, all I have to say is I am really thankful that I am not a North Korean citizen. Uh, I'm doubly thankful that I'm not a part of the North Korean familial Kim dynasty. Um, And it's very scary to me that the kind of undercurrent to all of this is how easily it is to manipulate people with just a small amount of money and purported platform, you know? I have a YouTube channel with 50,000 followers. Wanna kill someone? Like, that's not literally what happened, but that's also not that far from what happened. Like, you dangle these little carrots in front of people and you can manipulate them in startling ways. Yeah, it is kind of like a, it is kind of like an extreme over-the-top example of how um, the power imbalance of fame works everywhere and particularly in the United States. Like this is like if you wanted to blow like how addicted we are to celebrity on social media out into like this extreme example for illustrative purposes, it would be this story. Especially especially specifically about like prank videos. Like this is this is something that I we didn't touch on, but like prank I hate prank videos. They're fucking terrible. There's it's just like it's like going around and just like thinking that you can like go and just like mess with people and like invade their personal space and like force them into becoming subjects in your content so that you can get views is just one of the scummiest things that is like one of the scummiest things that's just like accepted and fine and people like are fine with it with it happening. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's the the only thing I can say is like if this is where we're starting in fifty years, are we gonna or not even fifty in in ten years, are we gonna do one of those like uh, there's an assassination via TikTok guy asking someone what their body count is, you know, like you know, uh, how much do you pay for rent and can I stab you, man on the street style? Yeah, or just like those videos where it's like this guy at a park and he walks by and he's like he's like take. $10 or if you pass it forward I'll give the next person $20 and then it's a montage of that of like look how look how good people are they keep paying it forward and then one guy eventually gets $1,000 and the moment he touches the money he dies <laughs> it's like gotcha bitch <laughs> assassination by a cultural goodwill motherfucker <laughs> all of you people are complicit in this assassination when you paid it forward you were paying forward death well, Spandrew, uh, do you have any closing thoughts on this guy? Any uh, any points that we haven't made that you want to get to? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just it's a really crazy story that I can't believe I never heard of before. And we talked really a lot about my thoughts on like just how crazy the North Korean military and, and, and government are, and the fact that like this this cockamamie plot was just born out of the weird stagnant. Uh, vacuum of power that exists in the country. I, I I really don't think there's much more I have to say about that. I just think it's a fucking crazy story. And uh, also, I hate prank videos. And I think that if we weren't so obsessed with like getting views on content that we'd go out and like fuck with people, then there wouldn't have been like a there wouldn't have been room for something like this to be able to happen because you wouldn't have people so willing to like do weird bullshit for money or some semblance of like recognition or fame or celebrity. Um, but yeah, other than that, I just think it's a fucking crazy story. Well, on that note, I'm Dave Baker. And I'm Spandrew Spice. This has been Deep Cuts. You can find me on the internet at heydavebaker.com. Spandrew, where can people find you? 
You can find me uh, hanging out in my sweatpants and just like ordering assassinations just left and right daily. Anyone who crosses me, it's like, go prank them, bro. Got to go prank them. That guy was a little rude to me in the in the checkout line at, at uh, Starbucks. Going to get pranked. About to get pranked, bro. Uh, and you can't find me on social media because I don't use social media. But if you want to pay your respects to the dear beloved Papa Pricey, you can go to his website, dapricerights.com, and get his book, Deadbolt AI Private Eye. You can follow us on social media by going to Facebook, Deep Cuts Podcast. Join the Facebook group, Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group, where we talk about the show and make memes. You can follow us on Instagram, at Deep Cuts Pod. You can join our Discord server, bit.ly.com slash Deep Cuts Discord, where we talk about the show, make memes, play games, and other kinds of stuff. You can also follow us on TikTok, at Mystery treehouse and you can go to our website deepcutspod.com click on the shop you can get hats t-shirts and other cool stuff other cool merch and you can go to youtube.com slash deep cuts death pranks and see all of our amazing assassinations Deep Cuts is a production by Boy Genius Media. If you'd like to find this show and others like it, please visit boygeniusmedia.com or deepcutspod.com. If you want to join in on post-episode discussions, please join the Deep Cuts Podcast Facebook group. Finally, subscribe to our YouTube channel for additional video content.